Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be doing a 2023 year in review on today's program. How did this year turn out for you? What are some of the lessons that you learned? We'd love to hear from you, and our phone lines will be open throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Welcome. I am Brian Hefty, and today on the show, I am excited to talk about what went right for other people, because on our farm, we had a few things go right, had a few things go wrong, too. So I want to talk just a little bit uh, to start the show today about a couple of things that stood out to me on the farm in 2023. The first one is this. We talk all the time, whenever it's a manure discussion, about don't overdo it. Well, guess what happened on our farm? Overdid it on a few acres, really hurt us bad. We had a drought year, and the salt, the salt is what kills you. So if you're listening today and you put manure on your ground or compost ever, please, please check the salt level. And sure, you can get by if you've got lots of rainfall and if you have heavy soil. But, I mean, like this year, we were counting on even normal, had we had even normal rainfall. We have pretty heavy ground. But it just, it wasn't enough. I mean, on our super heavy ground, where it's like 35 cation exchange capacity, we were fine. And it wasn't, well, anyway, I'll just put it this way. Too much manure got applied. It wasn't all by our choice, but too much manure got applied. And it just killed us on a couple of fields. And I shouldn't say killed us. We, we, still, we still turned out okay. But it wasn't near what we were hoping for. We got as low as, I don't remember, 155 bushel corn or something in a couple of fields. By our standards, horrible. Our best ground this year, we had 274 bushel corn. 274. On a drought year, um, I mean, it was awesome. And so that helped reinforce to me, that was on a field that was pattern tiled. Uh, but if we have good tile, good drainage, so in other words, we had the water table low to start the year. That's key. So we get the roots deep fast. And then beyond that, just having the right amount of fertility at the right time, in the right place, like they always say, things can turn out well, even in a drought year. So I'm also really encouraged just by the varieties that we have today and the technology we have today. It's awesome. I mean, if we would have had this kind of drought 20 years ago with our varieties, our technology, the way we were planting, the, I mean, just all the things we were doing, we, there's no way we would have averaged over 200 bushel corn. No chance. But this year turned out actually pretty decent for as little rain as we have. So I'm just super, super thankful. Darren, what stood out to you on the farm this year? Well, there are a lot of things. One thing that was really interesting was what the drought impacts were on insects, and one of them being corn rootworm. We had a lot of questions about corn rootworm. Why do we keep seeing beetles out there for weeks and weeks and weeks and months? And when we get dry weather like this, those rootworm beetles often lay their eggs deeper in the soil, ex extending that time they're going to be emerging as beetles the next season. So, so it's really the drought from the year before yes, then is kind so of what the, you're so talking the, about. So yep. dry weather in the late summer and early fall in 2022 set us up for a wide window of when those rootworm beetles were going to show up in 2023 and of course if the beetles are showing up over a wide window that means the larvae are active over a wider window and we saw more injury from corn rootworms this year than we have for a while so 
It was dry this fall again, Brian. At least it was in our area, so I'm assuming we're going to see some of the same kinds of things this next season. But you never know with insects. There could be just the wrong weather or just the wrong virus or whatever that could knock them out. But I'm betting we're going to have a lot of rootworms this coming year. Yeah, and so we just have to put a plan together to attack that. Like on our farm, I mean, we raise mostly continuous corn anymore. And because of that, and many people in our area raise lots of corn. So our rootworm pressure here is super high. If you look at in the entire United States, quite frankly, in North America, where's the hottest spot for corn rootworms? You could just about draw a circle around our farm. <laughs> it's pretty bad here. And I'm not saying just here, but I, I mean, we're, we're, we are in the heart of the worst rootworm pressure in North America. And granted, there are a bunch of other areas in the Midwestern United States that are very bad as well. If you've got that kind of situation, you got to plan ahead because there's no rescue treatment for the rootworm larvae. Now, certainly you can spray for the beetles multiple times, even if you want to, but there's no rescue for that rootworm larvae. So you got to have a trait or insecticide in furrow, do something like that. Get out in front of it because if you don't, then well, like in a year like last year, drought year, if you don't have great root growth, your yield suffers. And this is one of the frustrating things too, because you say, well, I don't know, the crop doesn't look that great and I want to cut back a little bit, but we almost have to kind of pour the coals to it when conditions are bad. Because if we don't have the right fertility, if we don't have the right insect or weed or disease control, then our loss is even greater than normal because the plant just can't recover. It can't handle multiple stresses and the drought just really hammers that crop. Um, Beyond that, Darren, I would just say weed control is probably the biggest thing that stood out to me in 2023, where a lot of people, because the Roundup price had been high for a couple of years, they had cut the Roundup out of the program well, and that, we saw that's part it of needed it. to get back that's in there. That's part of it, but putting pre's out after you plant is something that's popular in a lot of areas, and guys just really got burnt on that once true. again this year. That's that they true. They planted, they threw the pre out there, it didn't rain. The weeds came, and there isn't enough reach back on a lot of those pre's, especially like the group 15s. You just got to have some moisture to get stuff to work. So that's where fall applications and super early spring applications could grow in popularity again if we have another dry year. All right. Well, once again today, we're going to talk about 2023 year in review. If you'd like to call in and share your thoughts and how things went on your farm, anything, any lessons that you learned this year, anything that really stood out to you, we'd love to hear from you. Our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at FarmShopMFG.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... 
You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Get the most from every acre on your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, a soils clinic, and a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Register today at agphd.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio doing a 2023 year in review. And we would love to hear from you about what your observations were with agriculture in 2023 and how things turned out on your farm. Yeah, you can call us again, 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Ohio. We've got Brett on with us right now. How's it going, Brett? today. You know what? We're having a fun day here just thinking about what what was great, what were the lessons that we learned out of 2023, and you know what? It sure could have rained more out here, Brett. That would have made it a lot more fun. <laughs> uh, how about for you? We had good rains. I just needed one more rain in, in August there that I think would have made a world of difference on some of the crops. We had a good, we had a great crop here. Um, we had a good crop last year, but we had a great crop this year. Uh, corn was as good as what we've ever had. The beans, I've had better beans, but uh, that's why I said I'd take another rain there in August when it got dry on us. But we were actually um, pretty good shape the whole year. But, uh, you know, we just had enough to keep us going. Um, but we're spread about seven, eight miles north to south and east to west. And where you can tell where the certain rains came that made a difference in the, in the corn, that's for sure, the beans. You know what? I'd say the same thing. We're, we're spread out just a little bit, too. Not, not super far or anything, but some fields caught some, caught some rain that we didn't get elsewhere. And it, it made a difference. Yes, it did. Um, we sit here trying to decipher some um, where we didn't have as good a yield. We're trying to find out if it, we've taken soil samples for cysts uh, uh, to see if that's what the problem was in that in that particular spot. Um, you know, we're just trying to go through all of our numbers and and the test plots that we had and make sure that. Uh, what we thought is happening is happening. So that's why we're in the middle of taking soil samples and cyst samples to uh, make sure that we can uh, eliminate some of the things that uh, it could be that would help us out and get, get uh, a better yield for next year. You know what? If you don't have irrigation, you can't control that August rain, but there are lots of things you can control, and I just love it. Let's get some data. Let's see if there are things that we can control that we can change. 
and set the farm ahead going forward. I I like that approach too because I don't spend too much time worrying about, oh, man, we're not going to get a rain or the sun's not going to shine enough hours today. But I do worry about did I control the weeds? Did I feed the crop properly? Did I do everything I can do? That That's the kind of stuff that, that I like to focus on. So that, that's good to hear. Something we can have control over because we don't have control over Mother Nature, that's for sure. No, we don't. Well, Brett, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on here. Good luck to you out in Ohio, and hope this year is even better. Hope your number one corn yield from last year gets surpassed very quickly in 2024. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. We're working on it. (laughs) Thank you. You bet. Happy New Year, Brett. Uh, Let's head down to Mississippi. we got Mark on with us right now. How's it going, Mark? All right. How are you today, sir? Pretty good, pretty good. What did you see in 2023? Did you learn some lessons this year, or was it pretty much status quo? Uh, yeah, we had a really good corn, and our soybean uh, heat hit it wrong and kind of really trimmed the bushels off of it. But sometimes there's not a lot of things you can control, even in, even with irrigation. You know, there there are just some things out of our hands when we're farming, no doubt about that. Uh, Brian was mentioning weed control was a little more of a struggle than we were expecting where we were dry. Uh, anything pop up, weeds, insects, anything like that? This, uh, Yeah, we did learn some stuff there. This, uh, this resistant Johnson grass is uh, really taken through this part of the country, and uh, we uh, used some caprino on our corn, and if you got a good stand of corn, you can you can really trim that resistant Johnson grass back. Like it's non-existent as long as you've got a good stand of corn. Yeah, crop canopy makes a big big difference, no doubt about that. Does planting date change? If you get in earlier, can you get ahead of the stuff? Not when it's coming from a rhizome. It doesn't really it doesn't really seem to make any difference. How about tillage, Mark? Did that did that help you? Did it slow it down at least at the start? I know, like you say, with rhizomes, it's going to be coming, and as a perennial, uh, it's already going out there before you're planting an annual crop for sure. Yeah, well, two years ago, we uh, it was the, it was so dry and so hard, we just couldn't do any tillage. But this fall, we got well, we we tilled every acre, which I can't remember when the last time was that that happened, but. Uh, we did every acre and uh, run a chisel plow and then come back and, and field cultivated and, you know, found a lot of it uprooted and uh, haven't seen any signs of it yet. But, you know, it's a long time till spring, so we'll see if any of it pokes through or not, I guess. Yeah, it sure is. That's one of the nice things about farming in the Dakotas, Mark. We we get cold and we, we got ice over the weekend and... Uh, not a lot of stuff likes to grow with the ice. That's the downfall of being in Mississippi, where it's a little bit warmer. Yeah, yeah, we've got uh, we've got weeds popping up everywhere right now. So um, it's uh, yeah, no winter time here. I mean, it was uh, seventy two on Christmas Day, I think. Wow, wow, that's that's okay. I don't I don't mind that. That'd be that'd be really yeah. nice. Hey, what did you see on disease yeah. control this year? I know uh, we talked about Zyway one other time, but uh, did you use some of that? Did you did you see something big out of the foliar sprays? Anything really work for you this year? Yeah, we had another 30-bushel swing with the Zyway again this year. Um, we started out, we were going to use it on every acre, and, uh, and one planter planted about 100 acres, and the pump quit working on it, and 
you know, my agronomist is jumping up and down, plant date, plant date, plant date. So we just uh, called around, couldn't going to be two months before I could get a fertilizer pump that I needed to replace it. So I was like, well, we're going to be done planting corn in two months, I hope. So we just took the chain off and uh, away we went. And uh, you could sure tell where it got put on and where it didn't. Um, This next year, though, we're going to try a few acres without starter fertilizer and just put the Zyway on with some water and and then do some side-by-side comparisons there and see see how much of it is starter and how much of it is the Zyway. Yeah. So yeah. that's... You know, there's always oh, those boy, challenges when there's more than one factor in there. You're right. So, yeah, before you give all the credit yeah. to one of the two things uh, – we should figure it out. But I'll say this, 30 bushel, I don't care which one of them worked. I'd be wanting to do that everywhere I could. That sounds great. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it just about make you sick when you, you know, you pull out, you kind of, I mean, we didn't have it marked or anything, but kind of knew, you know, where it was. And uh, boy, it sure shows up on some yield maps and just make you sick when you get out of where it was and, and then get into where it wasn't, you know, it makes you wish that you'd have just parked that other planter, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, but, that's for uh, sure. You know, it was one of them springs where that you know they was calling for rain, and you're like, man, we got to get done. And your inch twenty that you that they were calling for on a Friday, on Monday, the closer you get, it turns into a couple of tenths, and then it just sprinkles enough to keep you out for half a day. So you know, you, you never know. You just got to go when you can go. You know. Yep, yep, that's for sure. Well, Mark, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and and good luck to you guys heading into 2024. Happy New Year. You too. Thank you, sir. Hey, Brian, I got a question that came in from Red, and he said, I'm just curious, why do you guys say you would put drainage improvements before fertility? I'm not a conventional farmer, but I have a hard time believing that puts money on the table faster to make sure your fertility program's on spot before dealing with drainage. Well, when we talk about that, we're not saying, oh, don't put any nitrogen on your corn before you put tile in the ground or anything like that, what we're talking about is the major investments. Yeah, about so, the build program. Right, the build program. So in other words, if you're at 1% base saturation K and you're at 20 parts per million on phosphorus, I mean, those are both really bad levels. And I would invest quite a few dollars to get those fixed. However, I would, before I do that, invest my money in tile the reason why is because if I go on this build program that's supposed to help my soil, help my crops and everything else, it's not going to give me the same ROI if I don't have that good drainage that's out there. So anyway, we, yeah, don't, please don't misunderstand. We're not saying don't fertilize your crop, always fertilize your crop, but the build program that's got to come second after tile in our book. All right. We'll be right back after this. Just talking a little 2023 year in review. Stay tuned. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. 
the right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlast the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's a 2023 year in review show, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you'd like to add to the discussion and talk about what happened on your farm, got Chris with us right now out in Wyoming, who always sends me beautiful pictures of amazing crops. And I think, wait a second, Chris, you farm in Wyoming. How can your crops look that good? It's amazing. Well, when it rains, it makes you look pretty good. So, <laughs> rain rain is a nice one. More than what we could do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what'd you learn this year? I, I'm sure there's something different. I know you've had a lot of challenges out there the last few years, but but seem to be coming through it pretty well. Well, timely. Well, timely rains and a lot of rain. I mean, honestly, we ended up with just at right at 21 inches for the year, and so 12 is our normal. So that was way above normal for us and so that certainly made alfalfa putting up alfalfa a little bit more challenging but you know the corn itself was just consistent from one end to the other where we irrigate everything and gravity irrigate a lot of fields it helps you get all those troublesome areas just to an extra boost to help them out so that was our biggest thing that really this year stuff you can't you can't rely on but when it does happen it sure helps out 
Now, as you're raising kids out there too, every year they become capable of doing some more jobs for you. What what are you seeing on the farm? Is there a transition going on where they're starting to take over some of the fun jobs now? Or are you still doing like my dad did, having the kids do the $5 an hour jobs? Uh, well, they're getting to do more, I would say, of the fun jobs. I don't have to do all of the fun jobs. So that helps out that <laughs> I can only be in one spot at one time. And so they're able to, you know, do more things and help me out. And so it's, it's been good. And they're growing fast, but they're also excited to have the responsibility to be able to do more things too. And so that is pretty neat. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, how about different crops? You guys trying anything different? Uh, is anybody else in your area uh, doing doing some different cropping practices out there or different crops in general? Um, well, it seems like people are doing more in our, in our area here in the past, at least on the corn side, they're doing more high moisture corn. It seems like a more of a trend recently in our area that most everybody used to have dry grain or or wait for it to get i'm not sure why but this is what we do in our area yes. and it's been that way for 50 years everybody's got to wait till it gets to 15 before you can combine it and that's really changed where there's a lot of high moisture corn being taken out you know in addition to earlage it seems like maybe people doing more of that so i would say on that I and mean, there used to be a lot more sugar beet acres so there's not as many of those so people are looking for different alternatives to fill those acres and on the edible bean side people are kind of there's just not many as acre, many acres as there used to be either because of honestly weed control. We can't really control a lot of the weeds, so people have kind of went away from them. Yeah, always different challenges. Uh, interesting. Yeah, the like on the edible beans, sometimes there's enough profit there that guys are willing to go through whatever it takes to make it happen. But like you say, oh, if it just gets to be frustrating and not much fun, uh, that's not cool either. Yeah, you got to have some moisture to really help with the chemicals. To I mean, back you know a long time ago, we had a lot of migrant labor that would help with weeding out all the weeds. Well, that's all come went, and so you're trying to rely on rain to activate the chemical. And if it doesn't rain, then you're spending a lot for a chemical that's sixty percent effective, and you got weeds everywhere you're dealing with. So that was tricky on that side. So I mean, I mean. We tried a little bit of soybeans ourselves, and we had some decent luck. We liked the weed control with that, but we had a lot of harvestability issues here where it's so dry of the soybeans popping open, and it just wasn't a good situation. So so we were looking for more alternatives with what we could do with our corn as well, and we've been planting more alfalfa, so we've kind of, you know, back, it's been a while ago, but that's what my dad and my grandpa all grew a lot of sugar beets, and we've transitioned all those acres out of from that to alfalfa dairy alfalfa that we're shipping around the we're shipping out of here yeah yeah interesting it's just it's just neat how things change and and uh, all the different things you do to make a dollar on the farm because it's not just the same thing year in and year out that's why we're doing this 2023 year in review and super happy to hear from chris out in wyoming chris thank you so much really appreciate having you on happy new year to you and your family happy new year to you as well thank you you bet. Let's head up to North Dakota. Got Clark on with us right now. How's it going, Clark? Going, going really good. We're uh, just uh, melting off about a half an inch of ice that we got here the last couple of days, so it's been pretty icy out here. Yeah, we got the ice as well, and I'm I'm happy to see it go. But it was one heck of a fall for us. We we were able to do stuff really right up until this last little shot of precip. How about you guys? Yeah, we're we, we you know we had a terrible October. We got that early blizzard in October and. And it got us pretty excited, man. We were moving cows home, and and 
at that point we had 2,500 acres of harvesting yet to do, and we had six foot snow banks on the ends. And we thought, oh my God, we're not going to get it. And then uh, the good Lord uh, decided he wanted to cooperate and give us some nice weather. And man, we got the same same as you guys. We just got all our harvesting done by you know Thanksgiving. We did some uh, some uh, breaking up of some prairie that we needed to do some light work on, and just a lot of stuff that I would have never thought we'd have been able to do. Matter of fact, we are still, uh, we're still grazing a lot of the cows out on corn stalks. We're just, uh, you know, taking cake out to them every day to just kind of stretch things and give them a little more protein. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been really nice. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting. I know people think about North Dakota and think, Oh man, they're probably under 10 feet of snow already, but, and it can happen. It absolutely can, uh, but this is not that year, which is kind of nice. Does that change how you look at spring? You've been through a few of these years like this before. Uh, does this mean anything at all? Or is it still, well, we could still have the 10 feet of snow, so we aren't necessarily going to have an early spring. Yeah, no, last year at this time, uh, we were, it was terrible. It was the worst winter we've ever I could ever imagine. And now this year it's just been basically an open winter. Um, we went, you know, we had uh, kind of a tough harvest season. We had a lot of moisture in, in August and September, which caused a lot of disease issues in our sunflowers and our soybeans and stuff. But we, we've actually gone into winter here pretty full. Our profile looks pretty good. And, you know, with the no-tilling and the stuff we do, I, I think we're set, setting ourselves up for a real nice spring. Uh, I always say there's no better time than uh, December, January for a drought. And, uh, so yeah, it, 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 I'm not worried about it all. We have not uh, changed any of our, our uh, plans or, or rotations. Uh, I think we're setting up good. Um, I think last year, not freezing because we got that snow early on and the, and, and the ground never froze. I was a little more concerned about last spring than we were this spring coming up. So, But who knows? Things can change. So. Yeah, for uh, for all our listeners in the south, uh, that was an interesting thing. As much snow as we had last year, it came early enough that we just didn't get a lot of frost in the ground, so that ground stayed soft and made it a challenge, really, in a lot of ways. It was nice yeah. in the spring that the snow soaked in because that was the last moisture that quite a few areas got for a while there. But uh, but still, when we get a, a nice deep freeze, uh, there's a lot of good things about that. Hopefully it kills some of the rootworm beetles and some of these other disease problems that we had. Yeah, that, that that's. I was going to ask actually ask you guys if you saw any of that because I can remember uh, quite a few years ago we had kind of the same scenario where we had uh, you know a lot of snow. We really didn't freeze. You know, wherever you push snow all winter long, you you were digging into the ground, and that was the same case as last year. And and we did find that we had more bugs, more of the the type of things that we don't normally have to deal with just because it, it never did freeze. And uh, I was just curious if you're hearing a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same kind of thing. We, we had a lot of, a lot of issues this year that maybe the frost will clear them up. I, there's gotta be something positive about it, Clark. Otherwise, why, why are we living up North? <laughs> well, I do, I do believe that our ground uh, needs to freeze hard. It needs to get that heaving. Uh, it helps break with the, you know, break up those hard pans and, and do do some stuff that that our ground just needs to have that. So I, I'm not, you know, I'm not complaining with the hard frost. I don't want it to go down seven and eight feet like it did a few years ago. But uh, yeah, a good hard frost does, or you know, freeze does not hurt our area. Nope, that's for sure. Well, hey, Clark, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Happy New Year to you, and hopefully you get that uh, full December January drought. I would sign up for that too. <laughs> yep, you good. You too, guys. Uh, have have a happy new year. You bet. Thanks, Clark. Uh, can you hit the mailbag music, Mark? It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. 
forgot to say that before, so we'll dive into that. We can't okay. have mailbag without the music. <laughs> All right. We got this one from John. He said, hey, guys, you talk about salt in the manure. I've never really heard about that being an issue. Not many people talking about that. Is that a, a general issue? Is yep. it something specific to one type of livestock or nope. just in North America, et cetera? It's an issue anywhere you raise any crop using any fertilizer. You always want to be thinking about salt. It's... It's just like for human beings. A little bit of salt, no problem. But uh, too much salt, that's a killer. So it's a really, really big deal and something we always have to pay attention to. It's just that in manure, there's usually, and we usually have lots of salt. That's why we talk about it so much with manure. Well, stay tuned. We'll talk more about 2023 right after this. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plans, do you think you could cut your farm's fertility expenses, maybe even increase your yields? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're holding our Ag PhD Soils Clinic on Tuesday, January 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the single most important day you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. It's a hungry world of 8 billion people. Let's not let them down. Commodity Classic is where you'll find innovation in the quest for bigger yields. Join us in Houston for new frontiers in agriculture. February 28th through March 2nd. Learn more at CommodityClassic.com. Hey, 
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio. We've been doing a 2023 year interview, but before 2023 can end, Brian, we got to answer all these questions. we got a number of questions here in the Ag PhD well, Wait, wait, box. wait. I don't know if we're going to be able to get to all of these questions by the end well, of 2023, we'll give, but let's hustle. Well, give them a shot. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Kurt has a question here. He said, you had an interesting interview with a man from SIPCAM about fulvic acid yep. with fungicide applications. Their website doesn't come up with anything about fulvic acid. Does SIPCAM have a fulvic? Is that an inert? What What is fulvic for them? Here's the thing that I think is South Dakota the only state in the country in the United States that doesn't recognize fulvic acid? At one time it was. I, I'm not sure Are they today that now? If, if anything yeah, has changed. Know. But, you know, the challenge with fulvic and humic is how do you measure those? And there just hasn't been a good way to do that. And so like in humics, for example, it's even worse because so, some of the measurement is done by color. Well, right. you literally could send in used motor oil and have it come back and say it was 15% humic or something like that. Yep. So if you're going to blatantly go out there for sale and advertise humic and fulvic acid in the state of South Dakota, that's extremely frowned upon by the state government, which I think is ridiculous, but whatever. I, I, I guess... Let's leave the politics out of this for a second. Um, yes, so SIPCAM does a lot of work with humics and fulvics. And I would just say that they have products, for example, Nutex EDA and Reverb, that may or may not contain a humic or a fulvic. Well, just talk, to, their re well, talk to a fine. retailer or SIPCAM about those have, kind of products. It's fine if they have those things in those products. As they just don't as claim earth. them on, an, right. on a label right. as, hey, this is why you would buy the product. So, yeah, sometimes you'll see, oh, it has a fertilizer analysis. Maybe it's a 500 yep. or something like that. And, and they can have humic in it or fulvic in it, and that's fine. They're just selling it as a fertilizer. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing with a lot of the biological products that are out there. They just will list them as fertilizers or something like that, so they don't have to claim certain um, control of weeds, insects, diseases, what, whatever other benefit that you're actually getting out of the biological. So anyway, the whole regulatory side and politics it's extremely frustrating for someone like me who's a farmer. I want simple and straightforward, but yes, SIPCAM does have products that you could buy. Let me throw one more salt one at you here, and we'll get back to the phone lines. This one comes from Cameron. He said, I recently received a compost test that has salt measured at 4.91 ms per centimeter. Uh, how do you convert that over to pounds or something useful? Okay, so can it be done... Probably, I think I did it right, and I, 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 my calculation for his situation here, the 4.91 ms per cm, I come up with 6.73 pounds per ton. But let's put it this way: just talk to the lab you're sending the analysis or sending the sample into, and say, I need an analysis of this compost or manure, whatever, and just tell them I want to know how many pounds of salt I have per whatever it is, 1,000 gallons, per ton of dry material I'm spreading, whatever. The point is, so it's simple. Just talk to the lab. They'll run the conversion for you, and then you know for sure. All right, let's dive back into the phone calls here. We got David on with us right now out in Illinois. David, we're doing a year in review here for 2023. How'd things turn out on your farm? Hey, for the year we had, we are not complaining a bit. That's for sure. 
Uh, yeah, like the crops basically were, you know, average to a little above. We caught a rain or two there in early July that helped, but uh, and I so that worked out great. And then I got to play with sixty inch row corn this year again. So that was very interesting. You know, there's always something when you're trying a different practice. You got to evaluate it in a lot of different ways, and and with rotations, with uh, all the concerns there, input costs, uh, weed control, uh, you know, all the different things that that might be a, a factor in in how it does. What did you think this year, and and did you get some more of those details worked out that you say, you know what, I think I managed it much better, and and learned a few lessons. Oh, yeah. I'm still on a learning curve, but yes, there were several things I did. Two years ago when I tried 60-inch corn for the first time, it was in single rows. I went to twin rows this year. That helped tremendously. Uh had a, a mounted drill that I put my cover crops in with. I had the uh, smaller seeds and the smaller seeds um, divided out into two different boxes. You know, little things like that. Uh, still tweaking on getting my fertilizer put on the way I want it to be put on because uh, I put everything on dry with the planter. So, uh, you know, just little things that, and then w- when you're fighting, uh, you know, one of the worst droughts around, you know, you, you just take what you get and keep on going. So, yeah. And that's what I know when you go West in our state of South Dakota, a lot of farmers in the West will say, Hey, this, this is a better alternative for me for fighting a drought. Did, did you find yourself in better shape to handle getting less moisture? Uh, for the most part, yes. All the fields except for one uh, did real good. The very last field I planted, I didn't plant my 16-inch um, corn until the last week of May. You know, so that slowed me down a little bit. But my very last field, the half of the field did not germinate until the 1st of July. You know, so that kind of threw a monkey wrench and stuff a little bit. Uh, and the only difference was between it and the field before, uh, the last field was soybeans last year and I grazed off hand bit every all the fields were worked the same before I planted them the other field right before that was uh red clover all last year um and that it make making look at the cover crops a, a more of a believer out of me all the time so yeah what what are you learning on the cover crops are there some that work better than others are you finding a, a blend or a, a single crop that you'd say that's your preferred way to go now uh, it's a little bit based on your field, but other than that, because I had anywhere from prairie soil to timber soil to, you know, the gambit in between. Um, so, but basically, uh, some fields, some things did better than others, you know, so you just got to tweak which fields works best. Um, one of the things I did find was most of my fields that had either had t- like a timber around part of it, uh, got away from all that. The centers of the fields planted six weeks later than the 30-inch row corn were running with the 30-inch row corn on on yield. So that made a big impression on me. Um, And the other worst thing was wildlife damage. I had a test plot at north of my house, about five numbers worth. And when I took the andros off, I called the guys that had numbers, varieties out there, and I said, "Uh, we're not going to harvest it because there was one number the full length of the field, raccoons took 95% of it. Oh, and my then goodness. And then collateral damage on both sides. So, yeah. 
Yeah, they they know what they like, and once they find it, oh they just keep on it. I've seen that in test plots too, where they just find one number and just hammer, or the deer find one number and hammer it. And our dad tried this strategy. He thought, okay, if I just plant more end rows or plant the end rows thick or something like that to keep them out, but that's not going to keep out raccoons. No. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, other than that, um, you know. You're learning every year. Like I said, I'm on a learning elevator here, but um, tweaking, getting my fertilizer on more correctly. Uh, just little things like that. Um, playing with a little bit on which varieties work best because planting the end of May, my corn got so tall. I had one creek bottom field that I had 12 foot tall corn. Wow. Yep. And yep. when you pull something like that, you know, it's shading out the cover crop. So, yep. Yeah, that yeah. is. That's a pro and a con of late planting. Is sometimes the stuff gets awfully tall because you got a lot of heat there for each growing stage. I just love it though, David. Always learning. You're always trying different stuff uh, and and kind of keeping track. All right, what works and tweaking it for the next year. Good luck to you. You're heading into 2024. You got a lot of data to sort through, but uh, wishing you all the best. Yeah, thank you. You guys have a happy new year. Yeah, happy new year to you as well. Uh, Brian had this question come in. Why do you guys think reducing tillage is the way to go? Um, I, I like reducing. We, yeah, I like I reducing tillage to, to reduce erosion. That's that's the biggest thing for me. Every, We've got some hilly ground, and we just have more potential for erosion the more tillage we. Every have. way you can farm has its advantages and its disadvantages. So I can list twenty advantages to reducing tillage. I can list some disadvantages as well. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's the way to go. I always say whatever you want to do, you let us know. We'll help you do as good as you can in that particular tillage system or lack of tillage. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. You have a lot at stake when it comes to raising corn. I'm Darren Hefty. That's why on Wednesday, January 17th, we're holding a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll help you navigate all the challenges of corn production, including how to manage exploding pest populations, resistant diseases, fertility challenges, and more. It's a day packed with information. So if you want to get the most out of your corn this season, don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Can you predict the future? I can't. That's why when I'm planting soybeans, I treat with Heads Up Seed Treatment. With more than 15 years of research, Heads Up offers proven protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome. So no matter what the year throws at you, you've already taken that first step to be prepared. Don't let your beans suffer from disease when they're just starting to look their best. Tell your seed dealer you need Heads Up Seed Treatment. Learn more at headsupst.com. 
How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. listening to ag phd radio broadcasting from the morton studio today we've been doing a 2023 year in review and one thing to review from this past year is soil samples we've got keith on right now to talk a little bit about his soils how you doing keith i'm doing all right darren here about yourself good good all right what can we help you with well i just of course i just sent you that test and i just thought maybe if you guys would look over it and just see what you might do to it yep so i'm looking at it right now and uh, you're in Illinois, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. So uh, for our listeners, so they know what we're looking at here, let me just describe it real quick. We got 11 to 12 CEC. So that's, we'd call that light to medium, uh, kind of medium textured soil. So it's not real heavy or anything like we often talk about here on the show. So that, I guess, is probably the most important thing to begin with. Other than that, a lot of your nutrient levels are pretty good. I do appreciate the fact that your lab put everything in pounds per acre. I like that better in parts per million, so I don't have to make the conversion. But anyway, uh, just to run through some numbers quick, like phosphorus around 400 pounds, that's awesome. 40 pounds of zinc, that's 10 to 1 ratio, that's about perfect. Copper is about 6, so I mean, it's... It's pretty good for the ratio. It's maybe a hair on the low side for what you got for phosphorus because that's pretty high phosphorus level, but that's certainly not too bad. And then potassium that we're talking about all the time on the show, you got around 400 plus pounds of, of potassium, which is pretty good on a lighter soil like that. That puts you in the 45 to 5% base saturation K range. That would probably be the one where I said, I, I mean... I'm going to be a little concerned about if you're going for big-time yield. It's good. Don't get me wrong. But your phosphorus level is a little better than your potassium level right now. So that's one of the things that I just kind of keep an eye on. I might be putting a little more K out there. The thing that's low when we look at the base saturation test is your magnesium is around 7 to 9%. And it's only around 200 pounds of magnesium. So for most of us, we look at parts per million on the soil test. That's only about 100 parts per million of magnesium. So for most everybody listening, when you hear 100 parts per million or 200 pounds of magnesium, just understand that's generally speaking, it it's not horrible, but it's uh, it's on the low side, definitely. So that would be one of the things that I am a little bit concerned about. Now, the interesting thing here is the pH level. It says you've got 6.1, 6.4, 6.2. So to us, and when we run our samples through Midwest Labs or most labs, the way they do it is at that pH level, your hydrogen should be somewhere around 10%. 
but your hydrogen on the base saturation test is around 25%. So it's not what we're used to dealing with. And so I would just say that that number is off a little bit, which also then pushes the magnesium down just a hair compared to what we would normally see. So if it's me, when I take a look at this thing, uh, the biggest thing that stands out to me is I just say, I'm, I'd probably be interested in getting a little bit more magnesium out there, paying attention to the potassium. But otherwise, most of the stuff actually doesn't look too bad. Um, you know, the leachables you always have to address. So boron, you're two parts or two pounds or less. Sulfur, you're 40 pounds or less. And I don't think I have a nitrate test on here. I didn't see nitrogen on here anywhere. So I, I just say those we got to be paying attention to, especially in that what I would consider kind of a little bit lighter soil with only one, one and a quarter percent organic matter. So overall, though, I mean, if somebody handed me this and said, hey, you get to farm this ground for next year, I'd go, yeah, I got really good phosphorus levels. I got pretty darn good potassium levels, good levels of zinc and me, the micronutrients. Sure, I'll farm that ground. So I'd feel pretty good about it overall. Is there a specific question that you had? Well, you uh, you went over more or less what kind of my concerns, too, Brian. I think the uh, I just happened to catch your show the other day about when you were talking uh, about the calcium, or not calcium, but potassium to magnesium ratio. Yep. And I was just wondering, is this something you might just look at like a straight magnesium sulfate on? Yes. Yep, definitely. So a lot like a K-mag or yes. a uh, dolomitic lime? Yes. Yes. Because if you throw lime out there, you're going to raise the pH more than what it is. It's it's almost perfect. I mean, if I can have a 6.1 to 6.4 pH like you have, if I'm raising corn and soybeans, I feel great. Now, if I'm raising alfalfa, I would push it a little higher and I would get some dolomitic lime. But if I'm just going to raise corn and beans, I, I I mean, you could maybe throw just a splash of it out there, but don't throw much at all. So I'm probably putting magnesium sulfate out if it's me. And yeah, what we were talking about the other day, which you're referencing, uh, so for anybody listening, if you're not familiar with that, I just said we've done a lot of work on this magnesium to, to potassium ratio thing. And for best yields, it needs to be somewhere in the ballpark of one-to-one magnesium, so in other words, magnesium and potassium pounds per acre or parts per million need to be the same. Or magnesium can be double what your potassium is. But if your magnesium is half of what your potassium is, that's on the low side. You're most likely going to have some, if not magnesium deficiency, at least your magnesium is going to show up a little on the low side in, in tissue samples and things like that. And, and it always does. It just, it, yeah, it, I mean, sense. not even just in this field, this but uh, it, I guess that's probably not something that's going to be cost prohibitive, is it? No, no. But magnesium and potassium, I'll just say it bluntly, they fight each other in the plant. So if you overload the plant on magnesium, oh, you're going to have potassium shortage and vice versa. So that's kind of the situation you're in right now. It's not horrible or anything like that. So I'm sure you're still raising good yields. But if I could tweak something, it would be bump up that magnesium a little bit. And then, like I say, continue to constantly address those leachables, sulfur, boron, nitrate, because in your soil, it's not going to stick around that long, especially if you have a big rain year. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, on a, on a side note, Brian, you always talk about this being, jokingly, being this great radio, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is some of my favorite part of your show, talking <laughs> about soil tests. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, anyway. if... if 
if anybody said, hey, uh, would you like to listen to an hour of somebody talking about soils? You go, come on, that, that doesn't sound very entertaining or very fun. But I always try to focus on the fact that, hey, we're farmers. And if there's anything we can do to improve the farm, which means hopefully we make a little more money. Well, that to me is pretty darn fun. So, but anyway, thanks for the uh, the comment. And thanks for the call today, Keith. We appreciate it. And hope, hopefully we helped you out just a little bit. I appreciate your time, Ron. You guys have a good new year. You bet. You too. You bet. Happy New Year, Keith. All right, Brian, drainage question. Uh, this one comes in uh, from, let's see, Kelm, who says, hey, guys, uh, what are the negative consequences of trying to drain a larger area than what the Ag PhD tiling app says can be drained with a certain tile? We have an area with not a lot of fall and limited outlet options. Is it just poor capacity and less yeah. efficient? Yes. Yeah. And so, for example, on our farm, we didn't size things maybe as big as we could have or should have. We figured a lower drainage coefficient. So what I mean by that, a drainage coefficient is how much rain are you going to get rid of per acre per day? So in a lot of areas of the United States where they have a lot more rainfall than us, they'll figure a half inch. Well, on our farm, I figured a quarter inch or three eighths of an inch. Well, in 2018 and 2019, when we had record rainfall, I was really wishing I would have upsized some tile lines, which is exactly what my dad had told me to do like 15 years ago. He's like, hey, if you can afford it, upsize your tile lines. Well, I probably could have afforded it, but I didn't want to. You know what I mean? We've all been there. So here's our advice to you. Have it set up. So, okay, let me start this way. The most important thing in a tile project is your outlet. Your second most important thing is the size of your main. However, if you say, you know what, I only have one outlet and I can only, let's say I'm doing the tiling myself, I can only put in a six inch, that's as big as I can go, or eight, whatever. I probably need more capacity than that. You know what we've done in those cases? We just put in two main lines. We split the project in half, outletted at the exact same spot, but had two main lines two main lines running. So that's what you could do. Otherwise, you're just going to live with in the wet years, in those spots, your your field's going to be a little too wet for too long, and your yield's going to suffer in those areas. So if it's me, I'm trying to avoid that, and I'd run two mains. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, real quick one here for you, Brian. This is from Shane down in Nebraska. He says, I'm going to try your three pre-program on my soybeans this year. My question is, which authority product do you use? There's so many. Authority Elite, Authority First, Authority <laughs> Assist, Authority MTZ, Authority Supreme, Authority XL. Which one? I've got Water Hemp, Mare's Tail, Palmer. Well, personally, I like Authority MTZ, but I don't know what your soil is. Where I'm going with this is if you have soil that is too light too sandy you shouldn't be using metribuzin or if your ph is over 7.4 i would want less metribuzin in there than the amount that's okay, kind real, of standard real quick how about trifluralin or prowl will they help on mare's tail at all uh not really but if you did tillage with trifluralin well of course the tillage would help yeah, and of course, if you're using an Extend Flex or Enlist Soybean, you've got the the So Authority MPZ is what I would run if I could. All right. Well, thanks for the questions. We appreciate that. And thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.